You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Today I want to minister living in grace. Living in grace. It's very important that we have a revelation of the grace of God because so many Christians find themselves under guilt and condemnation. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 1, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to every person who believes. It's the power of God unto salvation. What does this teach us? It teaches us that when you're aware of God's presence, you'll be aware of God's power. When you are aware of God's presence, you'll be aware of God's power. God's Word is the instrument that He uses to establish His peace in our lives. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to bring the peace of God into our hearts. When we receive the Word of God with meekness into our hearts, it's able to save our souls, our way of thinking. The Bible teaches us in the book of John chapter 1, verse 14. Just go there quickly. It says in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, And of His fullness we have all received the grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. When the Word manifested, we could see His glory. And when that Word came into this earth, we could see grace manifesting, glory manifesting. The Bible says grace and truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. But when God looks at us, it's grace then truth. You missed a good place to say amen. Now you're saying amen, but you don't know why you're saying amen. You must say amen when you believe something. Because we all know the truth about ourselves, how we've messed up, how we've made mistakes. But God deals with us according to His grace. Jesus that manifested and showed His grace upon this earth so that all of us can be saved. The truth is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have messed up. But when Jesus came, he manifested his grace first. When you read the scripture, it doesn't make sense why God is saying here, John is writing in verse 17, suddenly he's talking about the law. He says the law of Moses came, but Jesus came. Why? Because when the law came, all of sin revived and we died. We said we're going to get it right, but we couldn't get it right. But when Jesus came, he said, now I'm going to help you so that you can get it right. 
The truth is all of us have broken one of the Ten Commandments. That's the truth. And the judgment for that is eternal death. But Christ came to bring life and life in abundance. Can you see the importance of not living under the law but living under grace? So when the word manifested, Genesis 1 verse 14, God spoke into existence and he made day and night, brought separation between day and night, Genesis 1:14. But when was the first time that God said, let there be light? Genesis 1 verse 3. Genesis 1 verse 3, God said, let there be light. The first light that entered into this world was Jesus, the light of the world. When he said, let there be light, God was declaring salvation, hope, light, life into this world. This is the light that entered into this world. Jesus, full of grace full of mercy. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's hope for you and me. This word that was manifested, a word that God spoke into existence when we didn't even know that we needed his help, he sent a savior into this world. The Bible says holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit and they wrote the word of God. This is the Word of God. Every time you open your Bible, you have a visitation with Jesus. That's why you have to read your Bible vigorously. Every day, meditate upon the Word of God attentively. This book is so amazing. You think you're reading the book, but the book is busy reading you, discerning the intents and the thoughts of your heart, giving you instruction in righteousness. It's the way that God communicates with us. Turn to the person next to you and say, read your Bible. Tell them again, say, read your Bible. When we allow this word that manifested, that was full of grace, full of mercy, when we allow this word to start to dominate our hearts that's full of grace, we start to experience the indwelling grace. We start living in grace. Grace is not this mystical thing. Grace is Jesus Christ himself. This word of God, Jesus, when he manifested, it was grace upon grace. Grace in our lives. When we approach this, when we look at it, there's always two sides. Like a coin has got two sides. You can approach this in a spiritual way or a natural way. In Genesis 1 verse 14, when God spoke the word and it manifested and the heavens and the earth were made, it was separated day and night. 
it teaches us that the unseen, the spiritual, created the material. The unseen created the seen. The spiritual rules over the material. Can you see why it's so important to be very careful what you declare and say with your mouth? So in the spiritual realm of victory in Christ Jesus, the enemy has been defeated. He has been disarmed. But in the natural world, where we approach things and we look at things from a natural point of view, there's no victory. It's there where you start to do things in your own strength, your own ability. You look at things and you reason from a natural point of view. This is why John wrote there and he said, when Moses came, he brought the law. But when Jesus came, he brought grace. The Ten Commandments is the thing that most people use to measure their lives. We all say that we are sons and daughters of Father Abraham. But then we quote Moses the law. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And we limit God and we place God in a compartment. The covenant that was made was made with Abraham. Turn to the person next to you say, the covenant and promise was made with Abraham. Now look at them and say, Abraham is good news. Moses was a meek man. Moses walked and he led Israel out of Egypt. But Moses was also the man who brought the law. Up till that time, the Israelites, the type of a church, have only experienced God's blessing, God's grace. And God wanted to show them how much they needed a Savior. And that's why the law was given. God said to them, I want you to obey these ten commandments. What did they say? They say, it's easy. We can do it. What is the mistake that all of us make? We place confidence in ourselves instead of keeping our confidence in God. They said, this is easy. We can do it. Moses was not even up the mountain. And what have they done? They've broken the first commandment. They're busy building a golden calf. How many times have we said, today I'm going to get it right. Today I'm going to be a good Christian. Today I'm not going to mess up. And before you walk out of the door of your house, you've messed up. Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here. You know what happens? When you live in grace, you'll declare who you are in Christ Jesus. But when we approach things from a natural point of view, it's so easy to say, I can never do that. I can never be that. I can never, never, never. Because the law is, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. Or when we start to get strong in certain things, we think, I can do it. Now we become arrogant. 
pride and arrogance start to creep into our hearts. This is the battle that's always been there between pride, humility. A heart battling here because we find ourselves under the law and not relying upon the grace of God. Ephesians 6 verse 10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord. What is he saying? He says, don't rely on your own strength, your own abilities. Can I speak to church members quickly for one second? We often find ourselves, we say, I'm serving in church. I'm helping. I'm an usher. I'm an hostess. I'm the first one to be in church in the morning. I'm tithing, I'm giving, I'm helping. Why am I going through these difficulties? And we say, because I'm doing all these things right is the reason for God to bless me, to help me. This is oftentimes the very thing that causes Christians to have grudges in their hearts, unforgiveness in their hearts, offenses in their hearts. But I've been doing this for God. Why has this not happened? Am I talking to the right people here this morning? We want to live in grace, God's unmerited favor, but we place ourselves under the law the whole time. Because the law was, if you do this, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. But when you go read and you look at the promise that was made with Abraham, when he said, I'm going to bless you, there's no place where he ever cursed Abraham. No place ever where he said he's going to harm Abraham. And Abraham knew it was all about God. It was not about him. It was not his ability, but it was the position that he was holding in Christ Jesus. So we have to get to a place where we have to walk in grace. John said, the law came through Moses. What is he saying? He's saying that when the law came, the law was perfect. You cannot take anything away from the law. The law is the perfect husband. But all that that perfect husband could do is tell you what you're doing wrong. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But he said, grace, your new husband, Jesus Christ, is full of grace. He's going to take your hand and he's going to help you and say, rely on my strength, my ability, and not your own ability. That's why Paul says, even when you have to forgive, as Christ has forgiven you, you can now forgive. Family, listen to me. This gospel, so many Christians are living under guilt and condemnation. They feel, I've missed it. I should have been here in life. I should have been doing this. I'm not even going to say raise your hand. Ephesians 2 verse 8 teaches us, God chooses grace rather than works so that no man should boast. He says, by grace you have been saved through faith, not through your works. But then he gives you the grace, he empowers you so that you can start to do good works. 
That's what it's all about. This battle between righteousness and unrighteousness. When we become self-righteous, we displace the righteousness of God. When we become boastful and arrogant, the humility is removed from our lives. When we think, I can do it, and we become self-sufficient, then our sufficiency, that part where we have to rely upon God, is displaced. There's two things that I've read in the Word of God that can disconnect us from the grace of God. The grace of God is always there to help us. But when you look at Galatians 5 verse 4, Paul writes there and he says, he says, you have become estranged. You who want to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. What is he saying? He's saying that if you want to justify yourself by the law, you are disconnecting yourself from Jesus. And Jesus is grace. Turn to the person next to you and say, never trust in the law to justify you. Trust in Jesus by faith to justify you. So never get to a place where you are so self-righteous that you think I've got it all together. That is a warning sign for any Christian. Red lights that you are not walking in the grace of God. You're relying on your own ability and not God's ability. The second scripture I want to bring to your attention is the book of Hebrews 12, verse 15. It says, looking carefully, not at people, at yourself. Looking carefully, lest you fall short of the grace of God. How? When a root of bitterness springs up in your heart. He says, by that, many people become defiled. Family, listen to me. If you are always defiling people, that is the fruit of the root of bitterness. How does bitterness enter into our hearts? Offense, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness. After bitterness is hatred. Can you see that you have to look and allow the Word of God to discern the intents and the thoughts of your heart? Here the Bible says these are two things. I want to say two red lights. Don't justify yourself by the law and make sure that there's not bitterness in your heart. Those that have wronged you, those that have offended you, forgive them. You have to show grace because you need grace. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, it's going to get better from now on. Tell them again, say it's going to get better from now on. You know, the Bible teaches us, the book of Isaiah says that our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. So we have to rely upon His ability. 
everything in our lives is because of the grace of God. Every advancement in your life is because of the grace of God. If you sit here and you're not offended, it's the grace of God. God that's brought revelation and wisdom to you that you can forgive as Christ has forgiven you. If you've trained your heart to be a quick forgiver, if you've trained your heart not to keep grudges, it's the grace of God. If you have the ability to love people that hate you, if you have the ability to speak good words over people that say bad things about you, it's the grace of God. Every advancement in your life is because of the grace of God. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says it's God who gives us the ability, the anointing, the grace to be successful. Why? So that he can establish his covenant with you. If you go read the portion before that, this is after God had given them the law. God said, after I've blessed you and you have your houses and you have everything, don't say, I've done it. Don't say it was my hands. Don't say it was my strength. He says, come and say and acknowledge that it was God working in you and through you. Come and acknowledge that you were living in grace, that God was the one making your way straight, that God was the one making your way smooth, that God was the one helping you. God chooses grace rather than works so that no man should boast. We are saved because of the grace of God. God knew that we couldn't save ourselves. The grace of God. Because we rely on the grace of God working in us and through us, our lives can change. It's because of a young, rugged David living in grace. He could go and defeat a giant because of the grace of God. Explains why Moses can lead a whole nation. A slave can lead a whole nation, type of the church, to freedom. It explains to us how a Daniel could go into a lion's den. The grace of God. Family, when you have a revelation of that grace, David said, God's grace helped me to kill the lion. God's grace helped me to defeat the bear. And if God is with me when it comes to this giant, I will defeat him. It's because of the grace of God that Daniel could bow his knee three times a day and say thank you. Even when he went into the lion's den, he still bowed the knee and thank God. Because of the grace of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could go into the fiery furnace. Just think about it. To get to that place to say whether our God delivers us or not, it doesn't matter. We know God is our deliverer. His grace working in us will never change. Our confession will never change. Elisha with his servant, the enemy coming against him. The servant is in a panic. Have you been in a panic recently? 
the man of God said to him, relax. He knew the inner grace because he was living in grace that God was fighting for him. Said, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. I know the grace is enough. You are fighting for me. It was a David that knew God was fighting for him. It was a Silas and Peter in the prison know that God was fighting for them. It was a Daniel in the lion's den who knew God was fighting for him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew God was fighting for them. Deborah knew God was fighting for them. Esther knew that God was fighting for them. We need to start to look at ourselves through the eyes of grace, the way that God sees us. When God looked at Joseph, he didn't see a slave, he saw a leader because of the grace of God. He saw in Daniel, in captivity, saw a great leader in him. Saul, a persecutor, he saw in him a deliverer, somebody that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Her Esther, in bondage, saw her as a queen because of the grace of God. God will change everything in your life. When the word manifested, it was full of grace. God sent the word to you to come and help you. Your part is to receive that word, that grace with meekness into your heart. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's fighting for you. Many of you right now are facing more battles than ever before and you want to fight. It's because there's fear on the inside that we're fighting outside. It's because of the fear on the inside that we are fighting on the outside. But if you have peace on the inside, you won't be fighting on the outside. Then you'll know God will level every, level every mountain for your sake. Every challenge, he'll deal with it. The foundation of whatever problem you are facing is going to crumble because of the grace of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't have to defend yourself. God will defend you. God said to Abraham, I'll be your shield. I'll be your protection. I'll be your exceedingly great reward. When we want to defend ourselves, we rely on our own ability. Then when we get angry, we do things out of the long realm from a natural ability. Whereas if you've got God's opinion, you'll know that those that are for us are more than those that are against us. I want to encourage you, rely on the indwelling grace. Rely on the indwelling grace. Make a decision not to fight the wrong battle, but to fight the right battle. Your enemy is not the people around you. God is here to help us and to see us through. And even when you've received the victory, you have to maintain that victory, and God will help you. When I look at grace, say, Lord, help me to understand it. Because when something goes wrong, the first thing that we say is, what have I done wrong? 
Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people. We've placed ourselves under the law. But when you're in covenant with God, and you know that the grace of God is working in you and through you, that grace places you in a position in Christ Jesus. Then it's about His righteousness, the position that you hold, and not what you are doing. You're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. But you're holding that position in Christ, which is a position of grace. The covenant that was made with Abraham was not a covenant made with Abraham, but it was made with Abraham's seed. Go read Galatians 3, the capital S. Because God knew Abraham, a man, at his very best can just be a man. So he's going to make a mistake. And if he makes a mistake, then the covenant cannot be in place. But he had to make the covenant with Jesus, Abraham's seed, because he knew that Jesus would be the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he would be loyal at all times, that he will be righteous at all times, that he will be holy at all times. So the new covenant that is made by grace places us in a position in Christ Jesus who is holy and righteous and perfect at all times. So when you make a mistake, run to God, that is grace. So Abraham, in this covenant made with Jesus, what Jesus would do, not Abraham would do. There's hope for you, family. So this covenant is not based on what you are going to do. It's based upon what Jesus has done. You can go read it. Abimelech has got his eye on Abraham's wife. The covenant that was made with Abraham is 430 years before the law. According to the law, you're not allowed to lie. If you lie, you're in trouble. Who's lied in the past week? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Amen. <laughs> Abraham lies about his wife. He says, this is my sister. Abimelech wants to marry her. Suddenly it's haywire in his life. Why? Because God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. What that actually means is it means those that help you, those who assist you, I will assist them and bless them. And those that want to come against you, they'll find themselves, they'll come against me. He lies, God appears to Abimelech, he says to him, listen here, you're messing up. You're touching another man's wife. Abimelech says, I didn't know, he lied to me. He said, it's for that very reason that I've not killed you. You know what's the next thing that he says to him? Because Abraham holds this position in God, a covenant based upon what Jesus would do, who would never lie, who is the truth. He says, Abraham is my prophet. Go to him. He will pray for you. And when he prays for you, things will change in your life. God chooses grace rather than your works so that no man should boast. So next time when you mess up, don't look at your mistake. Look to Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of your faith. 
of this better covenant with better promises, not based upon what you are doing, how you are messing up, sinning and doing things wrong. When we live in grace, we should stop to sin because grace would help us not to do that anymore. Amen? But when you make a mistake, you turn to God, you turn to grace. David said, Psalm 27 verse 1, the Lord is the light of my salvation, I shall not fear. The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Declared God's word into that situation. Philippians 3 says we worship God in spirit. Says we worship God in spirit, Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. Our confidence is in Jesus by the indwelling grace on the inside of us. We are living in grace, and grace is living in us. We are saved by grace through faith, not by our works. But then once you are saved, you'll see that grace will empower you so that you can start to do good works. So if you've been saved and you're experiencing the grace, you'll see that grace will help you. When that grace is working on the inside, if God is with you, that grace, if God is with you, who can be against you? God treating us better than what we deserve. Paul said in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's because of this love. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, that he brought grace into this world. Because of this, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, his grace. I'm going to close with this, and I want you to understand this, this principle. If you can understand this principle, it's going to help you a lot. Because most of us are looking to the past, past mistakes. Who of you have messed up in the past week? Let me see your hand. Who's messed up? Big time in the past month, let me see. Who's mega messed up in the past year? Okay, turn to the person next to you say, forget about that. God does not consult your past in determining your future. God does not consult your past in determining your future. So if you want victory, rely on grace. So what did Joseph do? God gave Joseph a prophetic picture of his good future. So that good picture that God has given you, you look at that. So when he found himself in the pit, he said, I don't belong here. I know where I belong. He had a, a vision of the future. Do you know what that means? From today, you stop talking and behaving like a victim, but like a victor. Stop talking about the battles and the challenges and start declaring the victory that you have in Christ Jesus. Stop talking about being a loser and start declaring that you're a winner. Talk like a winner because we have the victory in Christ Jesus. God will give you the grace so that you can change your confession. Sometimes you have to stop discussing the battles that you are fighting and start discussing the God that's fighting the battles for you. 
Joseph. They stripped him of his beautiful coat. They separated him from his parents. He was alone, but they could never strip him of the wisdom of God and the grace of God. And when he found himself even in prison because of that grace on the inside, he could do it with excellence, and God promoted him. This is the key. You have to change your confession. I'm going to close with Abraham. Go to Romans 4 verse 17. Faith is simply a lifestyle of trusting Jesus. Abraham, when you go read Genesis 14 verse 18, when he met with Melchizedek, you'll see Melchizedek brought out bread and wine. What does that mean? It means the gospel was preached to Abraham. I started by saying, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's the power unto salvation. So God revealed to him that somebody would die for our sins and somebody would be made alive. A body would be broken, blood would be shed. Romans 4 verse 17 as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations, and the presence of him who believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So family, this gospel is all about your situation that you are facing right now, that business, that marriage, that child, whatever situation, it might look dead. It might look like there's no hope. This is the gospel that even when something is dead, God can turn it around. God can breathe his light and life into it. <laughs> Who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So let me just tell you, this scripture is a scripture that the Lord gave to me. When the doctor said, my wife will never be able to have children, God spoke to me and he said, Who contrary to hope. From a natural point of view, there might be no hope. In hope. But in Christ Jesus, in that realm of victory in Christ Jesus, there's hope. And God spoke to me 22, 23 years ago, and he said, you'll have a child, and your firstborn will be a daughter, a girl, and call her hope. And today you see hope. But we had to change our confession and not say what the doctors were saying. Those are the facts. We don't ignore the facts. But we declare the truth, the word of God. Who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sometimes you cannot look at the situation the natural situation, circumstances. His body was dead. His wife's body was dead. Declare God's word. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Faith is simply a lifestyle of trusting God. He did not waver through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Family, anybody can jump up and down and give glory to God when they've received the miracle, but it takes a man and woman of faith 
to respond with the grace of God, to start thanking God and giving glory to Him. That picture in the future, that's faith. Jumping up and down, thanking God. If you're trusting God for a baby, to get that baby room ready. Amen? Change your confession. Now, it was not written for His sake alone that it was imputed to Him, but also for us. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is also for you. Now tell them, this is also for me. It shall be imputed to us who believe in Him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Paul had an understanding of this grace. Abraham knew every advancement in my life because of the grace of God. He knew I had a son here. My body was dead. My wife's body was dead. But God had given us a child. It is because of the grace of God working in my life. He had understanding that Jesus was the Savior. He had understanding that the Word would become flesh, manifest, and would be full of grace, grace upon grace. So that when God came to him in Genesis 22 and he said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, the one whom you love. He was saying to him, that which your name depends upon, your legacy depends upon, your reputation depends upon, I want you to sacrifice it unto me. Abraham had a revelation and an understanding that he could only give to God what comes from God. Had an understanding he could only give to God what comes from God. When the Lord said to him, sacrifice, when he got to the place and the servant said, where are you going? He didn't say, I'm going to sacrifice my son. He had understanding of grace. He said, what God has given me, I'm giving back to him, but I know what will follow. He said, me and this boy, we're going to worship. We are going to exalt our God and the grace that he has shown towards me, what he has given me, giving back to him. Family, listen to me. Sometimes we come to church and we say, I give my time for the church. I give my strength for the church. I give money. I give tithes. I give offerings. If you know that that strength that you have is because of the grace of God that he has given you, the wealth that you have that you can give is because of the grace of God. You'll never see it as a sacrifice that you are making when God asks something of you, but you'll see it as worship. If you know that time, that strength, that blessing is an advancement because of the grace of God, when you give, you'll be the one saying, thank you. Lord, I've come to worship you. I've come to adore you because I know what I'm giving to you is what you've given to me. I can only give to you what you have given me. God cannot accept anything that comes from above. Changes our way of thinking. Every advancement in our life. When God asked him, sacrifice your son, he said, this is not a sacrifice. Every advancement in my life is because of the grace of God. This is not a sacrifice. 
This is my worship to my God. Nothing is too much, nothing is too little. But because I know my God is a savior, I know when he entered into this world, it was full of grace. I know what will follow. And we know the story after that, that through his obedience, that was accounted to him for righteousness. It teaches us the only proof of our faith. So obedience. What is there that we've been giving to God that we've viewed as a sacrifice that should have been worship? When we know that God is fighting for us, that God is the one helping us, His grace working on the inside of us, Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, it is God that gives us the ability, the strength. It's His grace on the inside of us so that the covenant between us and Him can be established that we will know it's all about God. It's God working in us and through us and helping us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ continue to strengthen you in every area of your life until you see the full manifestation of his glory in your life. We all sinned. We had fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus came to restore glory back unto us. He said in John 17, Father, the glory that you have given me, the grace that you have given me, I have given them. Why? So that the world can believe. People should see that grace. Get yourself out under the law and start to enjoy the grace of God. Somebody might come and try and strip your jacket away, Joseph. Try and throw you in a prison. But you'll see God fighting for you every time to bring you out of that situation. It was a Daniel giving thanks to God even in the lion's den. It was a David on the battlefield knowing God is with him, a friend in the Holy Spirit, that grace to defeat a giant. Paul and Silas in the middle of the prison could worship God, and God delivered them and set them free. You'll see the grace of God working in you and through you. God chooses grace rather than work so that no man should boast, but that we should give all the glory to God. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.